What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Greetings, one and all. This is South by Southwesteros, the Game of Thrones Season 8 podcast, brought to you by me, Aaron P. Uh, thank you all for listening to this show. Uh, the first episode did really, really well. So if you're back for the second episode, thank you guys for returning. Uh, thank you all for listening and, and sharing your love for Game of Thrones with me. This is the last season we are going to see how this story ends on the show. Uh, We have no idea when we're going to see how it ends in the book, but here we go. Uh, So this is, again, filled with spoilers. So if you haven't seen uh, this episode, Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2, A Night in the Seven Kingdoms, uh, I, I, I really need y'all to catch up because i'm about to spoil the shit out of this episode so uh a couple things this is a a really really good episode um again this is we're hold on just one second okay and we're back sorry we had a little technical difficulties there uh you guys would not notice that passage of time at all but anyway um yeah so this is a, a really good episode we are in the pretty much getting into the the final stretch of it um this this episode was very 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 well written, very well directed. Um, takes place again. Is this takes place completely in Winterfell? We do not go to King's Landing at all. 
Uh, it starts off with uh, the, tr- I-, I guess, trial of Jamie Lannister, I guess, because Daenerys is still under the impression that uh, her her father was a good person and that Jamie just killed him in cold blood. But, you know, whatever. Um, so l- let's just talk about some of the themes in the show. I'm not going to do like I did last episode, which was like a straight watch along and stuff. I'm just going to just off. I'm just going to have a frank conversation about some of the things that I picked up in this show. In this episode, rather. Uh, what? Let, let's just start since we started talking about Daenerys. Let's talk about how like Daenerys is, is always been to me. Uh, and to a lot of others, actually, you may be thinking about this reading this, but if you disagree, you're free to do so. Email me. We can, we can discuss. But Daenerys is pretty much showing how bad of a leader she is. <laughs> like, she's not a good leader, literally, at all, because she's all about, well, it has to be my way or no way at all, or it has to be my way or I'll burn you with my dragons and stuff. And it's it's pretty much just like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's great, you know, but that's not going to get people to want you to fucking be their queen person that's never been to Westeros. But now you're going to come over here and say, oh, it's yours now. You know, it may have worked 300 fucking years ago for our ancestor, but, you know, whatever. And she's she's just basically just saying well you know you killed my father and we i had dreams my brother used to tell me stories about what we would do if we catch you and he just said like well shit bitch if you're gonna do all this stuff do it if not you know i'm here to help you know he's he's got a hand you know he can still can't jamie hasn't really fought since dorn in the show and and that the less said about the Dorn storyline in the Game of Thrones TV show, the better. Uh, it was just bad. But yeah, and then you have uh, Brienne of Tarth stepping up for Jamie. Be like, look, like Jamie's he's not the person that people tell stories about anymore. You know, he's not Kingslayer or anything like that. He's actually has some honor about him, so she vouched for him. And then Sansa pulls rank and be like, all right, that's all I need to hear. If Brianna Tart vouches for you, then I got you. Because literally without Jamie, uh, Sansa would be dead. That That's a true fucking statement. Brianna Tart brought up that Sansa would indeed be dead if, if it weren't for Jamie Lannister. But, which is absolutely true because Jamie saved Brianna Tart. Brianna Tart delivered him to Winterfell. And. If Jamie didn't save her from being raped and killed by by the Boltons and stuff, Sansa would be like somewhere with eaten by dogs by Ramsay's dogs and shit. So there's that. Um, also, in this episode, you get a lot of is still a little bit more fan service going on in this one because the fan service in this was was great too because they still kicking it in with the reunions and stuff uh jamie is up in winterfell again since the first time since season one uh of course he's up there pushing bran out of the window uh which brings me to my second point that i really really enjoyed uh bran's interactions with jamie bran he's like look man you push me out of push me out of a fucking window crippled now 
but uh, also he, Brand would not have become the Three Eyed Raven had he not gotten pushed out of that out of that window. Brand would, you know, have just been Brand, you know, which uh, is not to say that he wouldn't have gone further north, uh, beyond the wall to become the Three Eyed Raven, anything like that. Uh, I just don't see it happening, honestly. I, I honestly think Theon would have probably ended up killing him in season two, or or someone, or someone in the Ironborn would have, uh, or he would have gotten caught by um, the Karstarks and probably wouldn't have zigzagged either, like 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 his little brother Rickard. Yeah, that's right. Rickard was still a Stark, and all of y'all forgot about Rickard. But <laughs> but yeah, so. He basically, they have their reunion. He tells him, he's like, yo, if I would have fucking told them everything that you had did, then, you know, they would have fucking killed you. And then we'd have one less person to help out, which, hey, but the thing is with that scene like there, like Bran is no longer Bran, you know, and he keeps saying it. And and we only call him Bran because that's his name. But Bran is the three eyed raven. He's, his life is totally different than from what it was. He is basically the memory of the world. And I'll get to that line uh, a little bit later in the podcast. Um, the thing about this episode that bothered me a lot, and I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about this. Uh, one, one thing that bothered me about this episode and the episode before that was, uh, and, and we're going to have a real serious fucking conversation about this shit is the racism at Winterfell. And I was like, what do you mean racism at Winterfell? There's no racism at Winterfell. Yeah, you know what? There there was no racism at Winterfell when everybody was white. Uh, when everybody was white? No, there was no... There probably was no racism at Winterfell. Uh, unless you were a fucking wildling. And then, you know, the racism in this show has pretty much been relegated to the wildlings. Thank you. And... Now that there are uh, some black people, there's some people of color here at Winterfell now. You got uh, Masande, you've got um, Grey Worm, you've got most of the people in the Unsullied. You have the Dothraki who are basically, um, you know, this world's Middle Easterns, I guess. And the fucking faces of these people here at Winterfell, I just anytime someone who has darker skin than them comes by it's just some of the worst shit ever and actually it paints a very accurate picture of the world today because you, you see there's a scene where Masande is like smiling at some little white Winterfell children and they just walk away with these stink faces and stuff and she's just, like, confused as to what the fuck happened. In the first episode, when they riding up, people are just looking at them like, mm, got little stink faces then. Now, if you're listening to this show and you're listening to me say all of that, you're probably saying, well, you know, it's because they're of the north and they don't really trust outsiders and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, fuck that. That that That's just dumb. If you, if, if you said that, uh, I'm guessing you're white. Uh, thing is, that's put into the show, and I don't know if the the produ- the showrunners, the writers, and stuff meant for this to occur. However, 
what I get from that is 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 something extremely powerful and extremely relevant in today is that you could literally be trying to save a motherfucker's life and that's not going to stop them from being a racist piece of shit. It's not. Racist people are going to be racist no matter the fuck what. And I, I detest the idea that we have to show racist people the error of their ways and they not going to be racist anymore. Fuck all that. Let let racist pieces of shit be racist pieces of shit. You don't have to do anything to change that about them. You just know, have to know how to deal with them accordingly. You know? And that's not me saying that, like, all white people in Winterfell are racist or anything like that. No, no, not at all. Uh, on an individual basis, some of them can be real cool people. However, the white people in Winterfell are fucking terrible as a whole. It's kind of like when I say that LeBron James is a great basketball player. He is. However, the Lakers are Garbage. The team he plays for is trash, but on an individual basis, he is great. It's kind of like how Jon Snow is a great person. He's a good candidate to be king of the Seven Kingdoms when all of this shit is said and done. He is a good candidate for that. However, the people in his city fucking suck. You get what I'm saying when I say that? And it's just, I, I, I hope that this is addressed at some point. I hope, like, Grey Worm or something snaps at one of these assholes. Or, or even Masande snaps at somebody. And, 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 and part of me hopes that she doesn't because I, I, I really don't want to see the old angry black woman trope on TV. Especially in a fantasy show. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit. Because it's like, the, the little deep... The the, the 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 I'm sorry. The deep cut of racism and shit in in this in this season so far it bothers me a little bit because goddamn it's it's my fantasy show and it's full of political intrigue. I get that, but yeah, when they put that shit in there and then there's no payoff to it, that's what bothers me. Like no one's gonna say anything, nothing's gonna change. Then fuck it, you know why do it? But I get it. I still get it because, you know, you could literally be trying to save one of these motherfuckers lives and they'll still look at you like you beneath them for some fucking reason. And that's not to say to not help them, but you should really and think long and hard before helping them because, you know, if you're going to be a piece of shit, you know, maybe we don't need to save you from the dead. What marching on to the to the to Winterfell, you know, this whole episode is basically everybody's last day before you know the dead finally march and everybody is pretty much the the full consensus is we're gonna fucking die you know and it's and it's this raises a very philosophical intrigue too as to and i want everybody listening to this to think this like what would you do if you if you knew if you just had a, a really good notion of what would you do if you thought that you were going to die tomorrow? If there was a good chance of you dying tomorrow, how would you spend your last day? 
That's a very good psychological question. And it tells you a lot about the kind of person that you are. And you had little bits of every bits of what people would do. If, if they would, if they were going to die tomorrow, you know, and I, and I waited to record this episode because I was thinking that like maybe I could present like certain scenarios of what I would do if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, anything like that. And and the the answer never changed. Like I, I could have recorded this days ago and stuff. I just it's been a busy week for me. But what would I do? If I knew I was going to die tomorrow, and, and don't worry, I'll get back to Game of Thrones later. And I'm gonna I'm gonna use some Game of Thrones metaphors in my answer. But if I if I thought that I was going to die tomorrow, what would I do? Well, um, I I honestly, and this is going to sound sappy as hell. I spend as much time possible with the person that I care about the most. Quite honestly, uh, hopefully with wine and cheese. And because, you know, wine and cheese is my thing. This podcast almost got got named the wine and cheese Game of Thrones podcast, by the way. Uh, But (laughs) but yeah, it's you you see what everybody is doing on that last night. You have uh, Jamie and Brienne and um, Tyrion Davos and Torben Giants Bane and um, Podrick. Having a drink, sitting by fire, trading off stories and stuff. And then out of nowhere, Tormund tells you all about Giant's breast milk. And then out of nowhere, Podrick starts, you know, getting his Johnny Gill on. And it's just, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like you have Sansa and Theon eating Winterfell soup, you know, uh, eating soup. Chilling, giving each other sex eyes and stuff. You have uh, Arya. And this is going to have a, its own little little scene too. Like Arya losing her virginity to Gendry. Which pissed off a lot of people. And you know what? To everybody who got pissed off that Arya uh, decided to spend her, what might be her last night on Earth uh, getting some. Uh, shut the fuck up. Like straight up. Like. The show's been on for ten years. You've watched, you watch Macy Williams grow and stuff. You watch Arya Stark's character grow. Why in the fuck wouldn't she want to get laid if she's going? If she might die tomorrow, you know? Why not? Why wouldn't you? And why? And why wouldn't it be? Which I thought she was gonna hook up with hot pie, <laughs> you know? And everybody complaining about Arya Stark's uh, and, and Gendry getting together, uh, unlike. Uh, you, Arya Stark is not dying a virgin, so shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, some really good, good scenes in this was, uh, basically, they, they kind of address something that how Tyrion differs from the books in the show, because in the show, Tyrion has gotten, uh, progressively dumber. Like, he's presented as one of the most clever people around, but he's been making the most idiotic decisions and stuff. Like, he was trusting Cersei when everybody in the world knew that he shouldn't. Uh, You know, you had the scenes in Marine where he's, like, trying to talk to the slave dealers and stuff and try to bring an end to slavery. 
trying to get his 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 Abraham Lincoln on, which is not a good thing if you know me at all. Uh, Abraham Lincoln did not want to free the slaves. He ended up having to, but he was like, look, if I can keep slaves and keep the union together, I, I would. That, that's a direct quote from Abraham Lincoln. So please stop touting him as the greatest president. Whatever. Um, and you have this chilling conversation with uh, Daenerys and Sansa. Sansa, who is like eight feet tall <laughs> in this scene. Sophie Turner is so tall. You guys have no idea. Sophie Turner is a very, very tall woman. Um, and her and Amelia Clark standing next to each other just shows you that 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 height differential. Also, I want I want if you hadn't noticed this, if you had noticed this, please watch the episode again. Uh, but Sansa Stark is dressed a lot like Cersei, a lot like Cersei, and I I don't want to look too deep into that yet. But it's it's something that that I've noticed from the first episode of this season. Like she's dressed in all black and stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, she's from the north. Yes, she is from the north. Absolutely. However, she's been very colorful up until she got back home. And now she looks like she's running a sex dungeon somewhere, which, you know, whatever. It's it's winter's coming, I guess. And she's got she's tall and motherfucker and she has her own. um for all intents and purposes, eunuch hanging out. So in Theon, so you know, shit. She's a so they're having this tense conversation. Sansa brings up that John is in love with Daenerys. Daenerys talks about how she's in love with John, and they talk about how short John is and stuff. Because you know, Macy Williams, she's you know, they they got a basketball court at Winterfell apparently, and she's dunking on motherfuckers because she's tall as hell. Like so. So yeah, so then, so then now, Daenerys giving her, I'm going to take the Seven Kingdoms back and all that shit. And Sansa's just looking at her like, all right, yeah, but what about the North? Because we are tired of Southern people coming in here trying to rule this shit. And Daenerys is just showing her character development is just saying, well, she basically only has one goal she's very just one has one sight she just wants to rule the seven kingdoms no matter what and Sansa's giving a a different perspective like look what if the seven kingdoms don't want a fucking ruler anymore what if that time is gone and you just like a relic of something that we just don't want anymore like in the 10 years that this show has been going on and like the, the what we've seen so far in the show uh, it's pretty safe to say that the one ruler for seven kingdoms thing does not fucking work. There has literally not been a, t- there's been one time in this entire show that all seven kingdoms 
were pretty much ran in harmony. And and not even that, actually, as I just think about this. There's not been a time in the series itself where one king consolidated power over all seven kingdoms. Because you guys have to remember that in season one, when Robert was king, Dorne was really not part of like the happenings in the seven kingdoms and stuff. Why? Because Robert basically looked past how... Uh, Elia Martell was murdered by the fucking mountain and the Lannisters got all this power and shit and one of them got made the queen and shit. So Dorne was pretty much out of it. That's only six fucking kingdoms at that point. Then you got the War of the Five Kings. Then you got the war. Then you then that consolidates down to now three kings and then the Red Wedding happens. There was literally no time where one monarch took care of all seven kingdoms. So at this point, people are just fucking over it. You know, people are just over it. And Daenerys is pretty much there saying, well, I want this because my last name is Targaryen. And everybody's looking at it like, we don't care. Oh, but I have dragons. Yeah, we still don't care about that either. You just hear with your dragons and yelling and stuff, saying that you got this and this and this. You left. You literally left your other kingdom across in Essos. You know, I don't even know if we're going to get back to Essos at all this season. I think Essos is just chilling. The second sons are supposed to be running shit, I guess. And that's it. I don't know if we're ever going to get that loose and tied up. I really hope we do. It's looking like we won't. But yeah, so there's that. Now, Davos, Davos, the hype man of the Seven Kingdoms, he is, I I identify a lot with Davos Seaworth, because if you've ever had me motivate you to do anything, I'm very Davos-like. But Davos, they, they show a different side of him as he's like, you know, getting people prepared for the coming battle, because, you know, that shit's coming. He's serving soup. And a little girl comes up. She's asking, she's like, which way do I go? He gives her a choice. That way you want to go. He's like, you want to fight or, you know, do you want to be safe? And he basically put her in charge of guarding everybody down in the crypts. Now, the crypts. Let's let's talk about the crypts for them for just a minute. And for those of y'all who, uh, who hear my heavy accent, no, I did not say the Crips, the street gang. No, I said the Crips, like, you know, the cemetery of Winterfell. A lot of people are posting effects. Oh, they got all the women and children down in the Crips. I'm like, all right, yeah. Well, what about the Night King can raise the dead and all that stuff? Yeah, but those bodies have been decomposing for a long time. And there's no, like, preservatives keeping them around and all that stuff also here's something you you guys have to to know uh winterfell was built by bran the builder bran the builder also built the wall how did he build the wall he built the wall to keep the white walkers out so he built it with ice and magic Y'all don't think that magic is in Winterfell some way? I know they haven't introduced it. I know it's not a plot point, but they got a deus ex machina, that shit in there some way. The people on those crypts are going to be just fine. 
Until they're not, I could be totally fucking wrong. But um, yeah, they're putting the women and children and Sam in the crypts. Cause, and, and I'll get to Sam in just a second. So we got the, the rest of the Night Watch. Brotherhood without Banner is coming down. That, that, that was pretty cool watching that reunion of Tormund and, and, and John. Uh, also, if you're not hugging your friends like Tormund Giants may hug John, they ain't really your friends, are they? Because Tormund out here is is he 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 is one of the best comic reliefs in such a serious show, and and it's just beautiful watching this man whose last name I have so much trouble pronouncing, but. Tormund Giants Bane is is straight up the MVP when it comes to like keeping such a serious show kind of lighthearted. They were they arrived, they go around the army of the dead from Last Heart to come down and show like, look, they coming. <laughs> like they coming and and they coming. They're gonna be here tomorrow. Like not tomorrow. They gonna be here by before the sunrise and the sun is setting now. So we got to get ready. So they lay out this plan and in the war room and Bran, who I don't know who's wheeling Bran anywhere. Is Bran wheeling himself places? I know Winterfell has had to have installed these ramps that he's going up and down and stuff. But he basically points out what the Night King wants. He The Night King wants to erase the world. Basically, the Three-Eyed Raven is the memory of the world. So his goal at this point is to kill Bran uh, as he's killed other Three-Eyed Ravens before Bran. Uh, and Bran is now the new uh, Three-Eyed Raven. You know, he was getting used to his Three-Eyed raven powers. So he's going to use himself as bait to lure the Night King out. He's going to be in the God's Wood and Theon is going to help protect him. Now, I'm going to talk about my theories in just a second um, because I'm, the, the, the episode itself is, is just a beautiful thing. But before I talk about my theories and where I think the next episode is going to go, which is going to take up the next half of this episode, uh, I want to talk about the title of the episode. Now, the title of the episode is called A Night in the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, so, you know, it, so far in this episode, there are only two nights. Um, no, three, because Beric Dondarrion is a knight, uh, and so is Davos Seawars. Four knights so far in this episode. There's Beric Dondarrion, uh, five knights, sorry. There's Beric Dondarrion, there's the Hound, there's Jamie Lannister, there's uh, Jor Mormont, and damn, who was the fifth one I was just thinking about? Uh, hold on, there's Beric Dondarrion, Jorah Mormont, Jamie Lannister, the Hound, and the fifth knight is, uh, oh shit, who the hell else? Alright, anyway, so there's knights in this, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's knights in this episode. So, alright, what's the, what's, the, what's the significance of them? Well, knight, knights are very significant in the Seven Kingdoms and stuff. Um, most, most, most of the knights are not 
traditional knights that you may have thought about growing up or anything. They're not all filled with honor and valor and going around, you know, saving people from from ne'er-do-wells and all that stuff. Most of the knights in this show are pretty corrupt. Uh, the One of the first knights we've seen in this show pushed a kid out of a window in the first fucking episode. Jamie Lannister is indeed a knight. And he pushed a motherfucker straight out of a window. The Hound. I don't. We don't have time to get into all the things that the Hound has done. However, yes, he has been on a road of redemption. And he did redeem himself. But not what you think about when you hear the words knight in a fantasy show. So what's the significance of naming it? Night in the Seven Kingdoms. Well, you've all seen the episode by this point, and we've all seen one of the most beautiful moments ever. Tormund Giantsbane brings it in after he's talking about um, Giant's breast milk. And he brings up, he's like, wait a minute, Brienne, Brienne of Tarth, you're not a knight? And she's like, no, I'm not a knight. And he's like, why the hell not? And she's like, well, it's tradition. And he's like, well, fuck tradition. Which is one of the most redeeming factors of... A group of people in this show that have been shown to be nothing but savages. The wildlings or the free folk have been one of the most progressive societies shown in all of like the Game of Thrones universe. Um, men and women are seen as equal. Both men and women fight in wars. They, all men and women both hunt. Men and women uh, run their own households and stuff. There are very little gender roles in wildland society that separates the genders men making them unequal to each other it's a very egalitarian society which is a very good thing actually how um wildlings find their mates and this is in the books this is on the dvd extras and everything how wildling finds like the person that they're gonna marry or whatever is that a woman tries to slit a man's throat and if he doesn't let her, then they're together. That sounds violent as fuck, but trust me, that's I'm like, wow, that's I that's kind of that's it's kind of cool when you stop and think about it. She tries to kill him, and if he does not let her kill him, then they are gonna be together. All right, cool. That 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 works. But. And then, then Tormund says, he's like, well, if I were king, you know, I would make you a knight. He doesn't say exactly that. He made some sexual innuendo in it. But, you know, the message was there. Then Jamie says something. And then I caught this as soon as, like, he said it. Because I watched this on HBO Go. I watched it the day of. And I watched, and the day of the episode, they do not put, for whatever reason, HBO Go on PlayStation does not name the episode until, like, hours after so all i saw was episode 69 i i laughed a little bit because i'm immature like that jamie was like and then i i also knew this from books too that you don't need a king to make a knight in westeros all you need is another knight a knight can make a knight you know so he tells he tells um brianne of tarth he's like look if you wanna you wanna be a knight Get over here, kneel down, and you will rise up a knight. And he makes her a knight of the seven kingdoms. And the knight's oath, I wish I would, I, I, I think I memorize it. And he said, By the warrior, I charge you with bravery. 
By the father, I charge you with justice. By the mother, I charge you with mercy. I think that's it. And that is one of the most beautiful quotes. That's one of the most beautiful ways to make someone a knight. And it was a beautiful scene because it wrapped up Brienne of Tarth's story arc because she was this woman who felt out of place in a woman's role, but she wanted to fight. All she wanted to do was fight and serve. She wanted to serve uh, Renly. And she served Catelyn Stark. Then she fulfilled her oath with that. And she has a squire and Podrick. And she's basically wanted that validation that who she is, is, you know, something great. And Brienne of Tarth is one of the best characters in the show. Her character arc was done beautifully. Uh, they made some changes from the book and books. Uh, read the books. They're kind of gruesome. But, you know. They've made some changes to her character and stuff, but at the same time, like in the show, her story, her storyline ended with this episode. Like her, her storyline. Of course, she's in the battle in in the future episodes and stuff, but her storylines ended, which gets me to my theories. Now, these theories, my theories. I I have a couple things about who is gonna die in the next episode. Because there's a battle coming. And it would be absolutely fucking ridiculous to think in this show in particular and in any show that there will be a huge battle going on with at least 100,000 dead people marching. That everybody that we like is going to live. This isn't Saved by the Bell. Some people that we are attached to are going to die this coming Sunday. So who do I think is going to die? Who do I think is going to die in this episode? Well, I have a couple theories. The first of which is Grey Worm. Grey Worm is going to die. I'm sorry. Grey Worm from the Unsullied, he is going to meet his penis in heaven. He is going to die. I'm sorry. Why do I say that Grey Worm is going to die? Well... In entertainment, in TV, in movies, uh, whenever a black dude starts to talk about starting a better life and getting out of a bad situation and getting out of the hood and all that stuff, he dies. He typically dies soon after that. Usually it's like, hey, like in Minister Society, hey, man, me and Jada Pinky, we're going to get out of the hood. Next thing you see is drive-by shooting. He gets shot. And boys in the hood. Uh, Ricky is scratching lottery tickets while they about to get a fucking, while, while they're running from people from a drive-by who was at the car rally and shit, about popping shit already. He died. He was about to go to college. Grey Worm, talking to my Sunday, he's like, look, man, fuck these racist Winterfield people. We going to the beach after this. Grey Worm ain't even gonna make it to that beach, y'all. I'm sorry. He's just not. Second, Brienne of Tarth is about to die. Like I said, Brienne of Tarth's storyline is ended. She is in danger. She is in da- Her storyline had a satisfying, satisfying end. And there are just too many characters in this show to figure out how this is all going to work out. I think she eats it in this next episode, you guys. I really do. 
another one. If you follow me on Facebook, which you should, the, my links are in the show notes. Um, I, I'm going to change one. I'm going to change one because this one makes more sense to me as more that I read this episode. But uh, more that I watch this episode and the more that I like watch previous episodes before as well. But Beric Dondarrion is also going to die. Beric Dondarrion, he is uh, the leader of the Brotherhood Without Banners. And he is the one with the flaming sword. Uh, he's been brought back to life at least seven times by the Lord of Light. And the priest who brings him back is dead. Thoros of Mir is dead. So he's not coming back unless the Hound decides to become holy and brings him back. Which would be amazing. However, Beric Dondarrion has stated that this may be his last battle. Now, the caveat from that is that when the Hound, who's going to be close by Beric Dondarrion when he dies, is going to get over his fear of fire and pick up that flaming fucking sword. Because that's what he's going to use to kill his brother, who is basically a fucking white walker himself. He's basically a zombie in a fucking suit of armor and and fucking... The Hound is going to take care of that shit with that flaming fucking sword. He's going to get over that fear of fire and do some work. Telling. You know who else is going to die? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amend this. Uh, he's not going to die yet. But something's going to happen with Bran. Something's going to happen with Bran and something's going to go wrong when and if the Night King gets up to Bran. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm going to say. Because my original thought was Bran was going to die. And then in his last moment, he he transferred his powers over to uh, Theon, who's basically the closest person to him. And then Theon becomes a new Three-Eyed Raven. Because it makes sense for Theon to become a Three-Eyed Raven. Because, you know, it's not like... Now, I, I see that they're trying to make a romance between Theon and, and Sansa. Which is stated in the books. Ned wanted Sansa to marry Theon to secure a peace between the North and the Iron Islands. This is early on in the books. And I really don't see that happening. Even though Sansa and Theon makes perfect sense because they survived a lot of shit together. You know, both of them survived a lot of abuse. A lot of torture. And you kind of want somebody to talk to about their each other's support base without having to talk about the shit. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, that, that I, I think that's what's going to happen. And I, I kind of think that the Night King is going to die in this episode. Why do I say that? Because we're at episode three this week on a six episode series and they got to get back down to King's Landing somehow. And I think Jamie said it best. Man, they get up there, they fight and they win. They come back down and they kill us all. I think that's how that's going to happen. But yeah, it's going to be really good to see what happens. Maybe none of this happens, you know, friend of mine, Eric Barnes, shout out to Eric, sent me something that blew my fucking mind the other day. He just said, well, what if the Night King basically pulls a Rob Stark from season one 
sends down part of his army down to Winterfell. And then he takes his ice dragon and goes all the way down to King's fucking Landing. And then comes back up with all the dead people that he got from there. That's scary as hell when you stop and think about that shit. Because why would the Night King have to rush? He's already marked Bran. Bran, he already knows where Bran is at all times. So why does he have to rush to go get him? He could buy this time and build his army up even bigger. He can go take over other spots and box them in. It's crazy when you think like that. And that makes for a real, real exciting fucking thing because shit. They don't know what his strategy is. The only problem with that theory that the Night King flies further south is that the last time that the White Walkers came King's Landing wasn't a place. You know, in the timeline of Game of Thrones, the last time that they came down, King's Landing was not a place. Uh, Aegon hadn't conquered the Seven Kingdoms at this point. Uh, It was thousands of years before all of that happened. So, you know, maybe... You know, maybe that's not the case that he just flies out and just hopes to hit a city, anything like that. He's not all knowing like that. Or do we know that or not? You know, do we know that? I have no idea. But yeah, but those are those are some theories popping around. So um, we, we, we all just have to wait and see uh, come this Sunday and check it all out. So. I want to thank you guys again for listening to the show, uh, sharing it with your friends. This is a short episode. Uh, next week, I, I hope to have a guest on to talk about the uh, episode that's coming up. This is a long episode. It's an 80-minute episode next week. So we got to check. The next two episodes are both 80 minutes long, and Cersei has still not gotten her elephants yet. So we're going to check all those out. So you guys, we're going to be watching this shit remote wine and cheese party watching game of thrones next sunday uh yo wine yo cheese yo house my name is aaron we're gonna be right back next week with south by southwest roast thank you guys so much also listen to my other podcast aaron explains the universe where i go into depth about everything else under the sun so we'll see you guys there thank you guys so much with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.